The healthcare sector is a huge target for attacks by hackers and continues to be challenged by insider breaches. So when it comes to typical healthcare sector security practices to defend against and detect these incidents, what's working and what's not? I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with John Woods, CISO and Vice President of Information Security at PDX, a provider of integrated software suites to pharmacies. John will be discussing what he thinks the healthcare sector can do to improve its data security and privacy practices. So, John, based on what you see in the healthcare sector, what sorts of mistakes do you think healthcare sector organizations and their business associates are making most often in their approach to security that's leaving them vulnerable to these cyber attacks and breaches? One of the biggest things that I see is the lack of management of their vendors and partners. A lot of individuals within the, the companies that I work with look at each of the entities that they connect with as being the the trusted partner or vendor or customer, and they minimalize the amount of work that they do as far as making sure that those those partners, those vendors, the things that connect to them are as secure as they are to make sure that their environment is protected against those outside companies. You're right, there are a ton of instances where the attack on the organization came from someone they were connected to. So that's a very big part of it for me as far as making sure that you have that vendor management program in place to properly vet everyone that you're connecting with, but then also having something internal to your organization to monitor that. That's kind of the trust but verify piece of security. So make sure that you look over the the people who are connecting with you through a good process and then verify on an ongoing basis as real-time and as consistently and persistently as possible that they are as secure as you believe that they are from your vendor management process. And when it comes to that vendor management process, what sort of mistakes do you see companies typically making? Most of the time it's just not being diligent enough with the process, not going the extra mile, not making sure that they have all of the same controls that you have in place to protect the environment or compensating controls uh, that would be equivalent to yours because certainly not everyone does security in the same way, but they should do it to the same level that, that you do as an organization. So that's probably where I see the shortcoming most often is the, the lack of in-depth investigation of those connected entities to make sure that they do have the security program that they will tell you verbally that they do have in place. So now, John, as we know, many breaches, including some of the large hacker attacks that we've seen in the healthcare sector, takes months, if not years, to detect. Why do you think that's the case, and what steps do you think the healthcare sector needs to be doing to improve its breach detection, especially steps that they might be skipping right now? One of the things that uh, I've had a, a lot of conversation with our executives and my team about is security has classically been a pattern-based business. So we we look for the bad things that have happened before and try to catch those so that we can stop them from happening again. Unfortunately, security is not that way anymore. Today's world is, is an ever-changing, ever-emerging scenario. I have two different things that I liken it to. One of them is you go into a bank, there's not a picture of a, a person with a ski mask in front of the door. And 
all the tellers know to look for that person because the bank robbers don't all wear ski masks anymore more bandanas across their face, whatever. The other side of it is it's very much like healthcare. Security is very much like healthcare. We can't say that we have to look for the chickenpox virus all the time or maybe the flu virus because every year the flu virus looks just a little bit different. So what we have to look for are markers that the virus is there. Security is very much the same way. We can't look for the fingerprint or the thumbprint or the signature of a virus or a piece of malware any longer because it changes very quickly, it changes very consistently. As soon as someone knows that a particular variant of something is out there, the makers of it or the users of it will modify it so that it has a slightly different look and feel and it will get past all of the traditional defenses. I think, and one of the things that I am implementing is a a much more behavior-based security approach. So very much like when you go to the doctor, they don't screen you for all of the different viruses that you might have. They look at your symptoms and narrow it down to what might be wrong. The behavior-based approach to security works very similar to that, where we're not looking for the fingerprint of the virus or the fingerprint of the malware. We're looking for the way it acts, the way it performs through the kill chain, all of those things, and that is what we're targeting as far as preventing it from making it to the end of that kill chain and getting data out of the organization. And so how are you implementing the behavioral-based security that you just mentioned? It's been a, a progression, I guess you could say. The first place that we're looking at approaching this is at the network layer. So we have implemented some technology at the network layer that's looking at our network traffic for anomalies, things that aren't normal. Um, And the the best way I could describe that, the easiest way that people seem to understand it is I'm in charge of security for the company. So I really don't have a need to do anything with our accounting servers or our payroll servers. I never need to touch those because they are not security functions for me. So when I see traffic from me or from my computer connecting to, talking to, interacting with assets within the organization that are accounting or payroll, that's an anomaly. So we have detective measures to look for that type of thing. So traffic that's out of the ordinary, happening within the network, and in some cases we can actually act on it very much like an IPS does and stop the traffic, go back and interrogate the end user system and see if there's something on it that is initiating that particular traffic beyond just the user to allow us to react to it. And how quickly can you react to it, and how big of a team do you have working on following up on these sorts of things? I have a very small team within information security. We've got the five individuals. We do work very closely with our IT group, so we've got about another 30 to 40 people that are also kind of additional hands to help us in reacting to things. We found that we can react very quickly because we'll get an alert from that system telling us that something is going on, and we can very rapidly shut down the traffic from that system if we need to or begin that investigation using some of the tools that we have as part of that solution. And within minutes, I can determine what is on that endpoint that's creating the traffic going out to the thing, whatever it might be, whether it's a patient database or one of our customers or the accounting system, whatever it might be, I can usually nail that down within just a few minutes. And how often are you chasing false positives, for instance? 
that's a great question. In the beginning, we were chasing a fair number of false positives as the solution was learning our environment. We have a lot of non-standard type traffic within our solutions, so it had to learn what that was and what the different types of messages going across our network were and what they meant. So we, we chased a fair number. I wouldn't say it was a constant battle, but there was probably three or four weeks where we chased probably 40% of the, the alerts that we had were false positives. Today, I'd say we're under 5% false positives. It's very, very easy to narrow down that list with the solution that we have because it is a a learning solution and and we do have the ability to go in and and help it learn, kind of teach it the environment. So once we did that, it made it a lot better and now we have fair levels of assurance that the things that we are alerted on are true issues that we need to go look at. So now, John, in, in the bigger picture, from your vantage point, what do you see in terms of data security practices among pharmacies who handle a lot of patient data, including prescription information? In general, do you think pharmacy chains are more or less mature in their security practices compared to what we see often at hospitals and other healthcare sort of organizations? Any sort of weak spots that you see among the pharmacies when it comes to data security practices that you find concerning and would like to see more focus on? I would say, again, the vendor management side of it, the the customers that I deal with have a fairly rigorous vendor management process. But, again, when you see the the breaches that some of the, the companies have had, many times the customers that we deal with, we're in the retail space. So, Our customers are also grocery stores or maybe a discount store of some sort. And rarely do those entities have a breach directly on their pharmacy. They have a breach on another part of their business, maybe through their point-of-sale system, maybe through some other corporate issues, something along those lines. So I would say that, at least in my space, a lot of that needs to be beefed up more, not as much on the pharmacy side, but on the rest of the business side of things. They're doing a fairly good job. I usually use the credit card industry as a, a good yardstick. The, the credit card industry has a, a fair amount of maturity um, with fraud prevention and, and all of those things. And I don't think in the healthcare space we're quite to those levels yet. We're, we're definitely making some advances. I think there are a lot of things coming out that help us along the way, but I don't think that we're quite as mature as some of the, the banking side of things because in the past the banking side of things were real dollars and real cents if something was lost. People stole money out of someone's account or something along those lines. Nowadays, the real money is in the the PHI, the patient information, and that is just now coming to light. So we're, we're just now putting the, the spotlight on it and, and starting to look at it with the same keen eye that we have in the banking and the, the credit card industry in the past. I think those are the main things that could be done is beef up the, the vendor management some and continue improving your security practices, your security education, and enhancing controls, remembering what we have done as far as security goes on the the financial side of the business. Now, we've seen a lot of phishing and other sort of related hacker attacks on the healthcare sector leading to some of the major breaches that we've seen 
including the compromise of credentials of privileged user access accounts. Do you have any suggestions for how to improve access management, especially when it comes to the privileged user? That is a horrible situation that we all have to deal with. Our weakest link in security is always the human beings. That's something that we all struggle with. Better education is certainly part of it, but I found that no matter how many times you tell someone not to click the link, someone is going to click the link. We run a phishing program within our organization. I fish my own employees on a monthly basis, and then the folks that click on the link or, or don't practice good cyber security management of their email, I'll call it that, they get to take some extra training on how to get better at that. The privileged users is definitely a, a concern because those are, generally speaking, your more trusted IT people, security people, and you would believe that they would be better at not clicking on the link or not doing whatever the, the email is asking them to do to uncover those credentials. But it still happens. So uh, implementing alternative login mechanisms is certainly something you could do beyond the education. Two-factor, multi-factor, there's a host of different solutions out there from smart cards and biometrics to the the one-time passwords with with tokens and things like that. Google has an authenticator. Microsoft has an authenticator. There are a host of solutions that you could use for different things, um, and you you certainly should. We leverage multi-factor authentication on our side to combat exactly that situation. And then having good password practices. Complex passwords are important, but uh, I believe even more important than that is the the rotation, and lockout policies. So making sure that people change their passwords and if someone is trying to do a brute force attack against the password, that it gets locked out appropriately so that the actor is not just trying indefinitely and eventually breaking the password and getting in. And finally, John, are there any predictions that you have about cybersecurity trends in the coming year that you think will pose the biggest challenges to the healthcare sector? Anything that's emerging that worries you? (laughs) There's a lot that worries me. I guess my job is to stay up every night. Things that, that definitely worry me are the new attacks that we've been seeing with the ransomware. That's very disconcerting, and I think those are going to continue to get more and more advanced. Companies have the potential of getting their entire infrastructure locked out from them through the ransomware situation. Perhaps just one employee clicking the wrong link or doing the wrong thing and now your entire organization can no longer function. That's very worrisome to me. The value of the the personal data, it seems to keep going up, which makes it more and more of a target every time that you turn around. The value of PHI is more. So it's very much more a target for these bad guys. Back in the old days when I was new to our business, hacking and all of that was all about being notorious, having your name that you broke into somewhere or you defaced someone's website or something along those lines. Now it is all monetized. It's all about the money. And so we in the healthcare industry have the most valuable jewels, which means that's where the guys are going to go. The bad guys are going to come after us to try to get those jewels, and it's going to be more and more difficult for us to protect it. And we're not getting more security professionals. The demand for security professionals is ever-increasing, and the supply is not keeping up with that demand. So it, it makes it a challenge for all of us. Thanks, John. I've been speaking to John Woods. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-Begee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.